It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Wednesday edition, we pick up the conversation we've been having the last couple days, the ultimate crossover series here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You guys know the drill, your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And Wednesday means it is a Rams-focused day. We've been going from the top of the division down to the bottom of the division. And Wednesday, the third day, third place team, you guys are getting it. It is the Rams day. So I lead the conversation with Brian Peacock, Corbin Smith, and Bo Brock as we talk more about where the Rams fall into place here. What are some of their big concerns? Yes, we know most of them by now, but we're going to kind of discuss. I'll field some questions from those guys as they look at the Rams and how we fall into the NFC West. So a great episode for you guys today. And with that, I'm just going to kick right over to it. Welcome everyone into Wednesday's edition of our Ultimate Crossover Season. All week we're touring around the NFC West. Again, each team is represented here. I am Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. We're also joined by Brian Peacock of Lockdown 49ers, Corbin Smith of Lockdown Seahawks, and Bo Brock of Lockdown Cardinals. So welcome everyone in. We are going to get to those guys in just a minute. Uh, you know, it's funny as we started to do this, we said, hey, we're going to start with the first place team and go all the way to the last place team. And I'll be honest, if you asked me a year ago, there is no way I would have thought I would have been going third in this conversation. But it's a piece of humble pie and it's part of what this NFC West is all about. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. So uh, obviously we know the Rams coming off that Super Bowl appearance the year before. Uh, there were some high expectations coming off of that, and you know that was kind of the one thing where we talked last season. What would my expectations for this coming season? And I wasn't even thinking about not making the playoffs. It was where in the playoffs would the Rams lose that would disappoint me? Uh, you know, looking at the 13 teams that had a winning record, 12 of them made the playoffs. That 13 team was the Rams. So I'll be honest, it was kind of tough to see this Titans sneak in there and make a deep playoff run and then just kind of imagining what the Rams could have done if that was the case. But it was not how it played out. So uh, as we move forward, uh, we have to pick up the pieces. And really quickly, I'll talk about a few things that I think went wrong, and then we'll open up the conversation. You know, a lot of people wanted to give some blame to Jared Goff this year. Turnovers are really his big downfall, 23 of them uh, this past season, 16 interceptions, and seven fumbles. That's what he's really got to figure out is the fumbling. Since becoming a full-time starter in his second year, he's averaging eight fumbles a season. That's sloppy play from your quarterback. Looking at uh, what he's done, he's only the one of two quarterbacks that's finished in the top five in yards in the last two seasons, the other one being Matt Ryan. He threw over 4,600 yards 
Uh, but when you look at some of the negatives, that's not always uh, what you want to hang your hat on. So, uh, But that wasn't the only thing, and he can't go all to him. You're looking at our offensive line that in the two seasons before, we had every single starter start at the same position every single game. This year, only Andrew Whitworth, the old man, hanging in there, started every single game at the same position at left tackle. We had some really big struggles. Left guard Joe Noteboom went out with a season-ending injury. Uh, Starting center Brian Allen, same thing, injured for the season. Remember, these were the guys that the Rams gambled on to replace veterans like Roger Saffold and John Sullivan. Uh, Austin Blythe, who is now a free agent, was at right guard and really struggled until he moved over to fill in that center spot. Rob Havenstein, who we gave a big contract to a few years ago at right tackle, probably his worst season in the league. Uh, He finished on the sidelines like most of Rams O-linemen. And then we saw rookies Bobby Evans and David Edwards jump in and kind of just take on action as they would. And they did a pretty good job for rookies, but that's a big question moving forward. But really for me, the big question and going into this offense and the inconsistencies was the usage of Todd Gurley and just the running game in general. Todd Gurley had 61 less touches than he did last year receiving and rushing. Career lows in both receiving, rushing yards, as far as uh, you know, attempts and looks his way as well. Uh, we also saw Malcolm Brown with career highs and carries and rookie Daryl Henderson, who we traded up for in last year's draft, saw close to 40 carries, but not enough. Wasn't worked into the offense as much as we thought. Uh, so the Rams are strapped with cash and they have a lot of high-end talent. But if you look at, there are lots of holes. There's lots of, lots of questions. So as we look across our division and how we match up, and we've had some really great episodes early in this week as we went to the 49ers, and we've talked about the Seahawks here, trying to figure out where the Rams fit in and how to fix this is a big question. So, you know, kind of pitching this over to you guys, as you look at this team, uh, maybe Bo, we'll start with you as, as you will be the next uh, host to kind of take this over on Thursday. When you look at the Rams, we've... Uh, won that matchup quite handily, but you guys are growing and getting better. You know, what were some of the things that stuck out to you for the Rams in this season? Yeah, it was just complete domination since Sean McVay's come over. Uh, I don't. He just has the Cardinals number. He doesn't seem to uh, play down to the competition that continued this season. But yeah, when you look at this Rams team coming off a Super Bowl season in 2018, you know, was the play calling, was that something that Sean McVay, at, at, where he once thrived, they bring over Kevin O'Connell from the Washington Redskins. Is that going to only help Sean McVay maybe get back more into a more comfortable position overseeing this offense? Was that something that was a big problem for this team going forward? Because there wasn't that consistent game in and game out Rams offense that we got used to seeing in the previous season. Yeah, that's the big question, right? Is what is Kevin O'Connell going to bring into this and how much is he going to take off of Sean McVay's shoulder as we look to uh, our other two hosts here, and, and we had some great games this season, both with the 49ers. Maybe not that first game. That was kind of ugly. That's That last game, I think week 16, kind of came down. Uh, blown coverage in the last you know minute of the game uh, from our rookie Taylor Rapp that set up the game-winning field goal for the 49ers. Um, you know, as you guys look at this, and those teams match up well, and we talked earlier in the week about this Uh, you know, Super Bowl slump, these two teams matching up next year uh, should be some interesting matchups. But, you know, how do you look at the Rams coming into the next next season? I I still think the Rams are primed for a bounce back. And I I don't know exactly all the reasons why they stepped back so dramatically this year. But the thing that stood out to me, especially that first matchup with the 49ers, was that they just didn't have anything 
offensively because this was like Sean McVay was the hottest coach in the NFL and they were slinging the ball all over the place and Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley was out in that first game the 49ers played but the 20 to 7 win the 49ers didn't even have to do much offensively and Wade Phillips defense has done a pretty good job which is one of the and actually I want to ask you that about Wade Phillips in a second but um Wade Phillips defense seemed to not be the problem for the Rams it was that offense and the 49ers only needed to score 20 20 points 20 to seven win that first time. And they didn't have to do much on offense to win that football game. And they just looked out of step on offense. The Rams did. And then the second time they came out with a completely different game plan and really hurt the 49ers early. It was all bootleg stuff. And, and the 49ers have had some trouble with quarterbacks who got out and, and got on the move a little bit. And you thought, okay, now they got something. And then whatever happened at halftime, the 49ers were able to roar back in that football game and uh, 10 fourth quarter points and actually started in the second quarter when the, when the 49ers started to roar back and, and beat the, the Rams, sweeping the Rams last year. But it was just that offense. It was like, how do you take that much of a step back? Sean McVay, the golden boy, uh, Jared Goff is, has a really good arm. He's a good thrower of the football. How does an offense take that much of a step back from one season to the next? Is there, uh, a, 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 is there somebody that you can point to and say, oh, this was really what the problem was and, and why it wasn't a good as good of an offense in 2019 as it was in 2018. Yeah, I think it went through stages last season and definitely that first matchup with the Niners, that was when our offense line was falling apart and they went with just the standard, let's let Jared Goff drop back and try to throw this thing out of it. But he with your guys' defense line, he had no chance back there. Turnovers were a big issue in that game as well. You saw in that second game, we started to figure out a different way to help our offense line. You talked about all those boots, but in the second half, they adjusted. And uh, I think that was the game we also saw a pick six from Jared Goff. We saw that a few times this year where Jared Goff tried to do too much that ended up hurting us. And in the seasons past, this offense went through Todd Gurley, and now it seems to be going through Jared Goff. And uh, you know, I wish we had a guy like Russell Wilson up there in the Pacific Northwest that can take on anybody on talent around. And I may get some people here on my Rams nation that, you know, get upset about that. But you got to understand, uh, obviously, that what Russell did up there and having a quarterback that can do it all. And you got to understand when you're also uh, got to figure out the game plan for the Rams, which I think is going to the ground. Corbin, uh, as you looked at it, we had some really good games versus the Seahawks. And even if you look at those Niners games, the Seahawks games, if those switched, you know, maybe a, the non-blown assignment in that Niners game, maybe a field goal goes the right way. You're talking Rams looking at a, a chance to win this division. So that's how close these guys are from top to bottom. Yeah, I agree with Brian that the Rams are really, they're really a team that I'm envisioning having a great opportunity to get back to that 10, 11, win threshold next year and be in playoff contention the big thing they're going to have to figure out is how to maneuver around all the big contracts that they have specifically Todd Gurley as you mentioned not using him as much as past season there's questions about his knee is he ever going to be able to come close to returning to the form that he had in the previous two seasons and if not they're going to have to figure out how to try to work around some of those contracts that they've signed the Jared Goff deal now that it's happened a couple of years ago, now they're dealing with the salary cap ramifications of that as well. They've got some other big players they're going to have to extend here in the future. Jalen Ramsey. I mean, so they've got some major financial decisions that they're going to have to deal with, and that's going to be the the big thing. Are they going to be able to overcome losing some players? Are they going to be able to move some of those contracts? And with the draft situation, not having a first rounder for the next two years, are they going to be able to get the marquee talent that they can bring in and fuse some youth there to be able to hang with the rest of the teams in this division that all seem to be trending up? Yeah, and that's a great point and a great segue because I think that's where we'll go next is talking about the Rams 
uh, cap space, what they're going to do in the draft as we move this along. This is the Wednesday edition of the Ultimate Crossover. We're going to talk more about that coming up on the other side. Before we jump over, I want to talk to you quickly about one of our favorite sponsors here on the show, and that is Blue Chew. It is the off-season for NFL players, but it's not the off-season in the bedroom. So pick it up and let's go. The best way to do it is to go with Blue Chew. It's not just for guys who can't perform. It's for anybody in the bedroom looking for that extra boost. So many great benefits of Blue Chew. It's made here in the U.S. and shipped directly to your house in a discreet package so no one knows what's going on. You don't have to go to the pharmacy anymore. You don't have to go to doctor visits. Those awkward, uh, Mr. Mr. Bear Botter, your boner pills are ready. No more of that. This is coming straight to your house. Also, it's chewable, so it works up to twice as fast as the other brands. And it's made from the same active ingredients as Cialis and Viagra, so you know it works. Stop going eight and eight in the bedroom. Let's get to the playoffs, folks. Order some Blue Chew, ship it to your house directly. And since you are a listener of the Lockdown Podcast Network, you are getting an exclusive offer. All you have to do is head to bluechew.com. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN, and it ships to you for free to try it out. $5 shipping and handling fee. That is all. Go check it out, bluechew.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Blue Chew is better, faster, and the cheaper option, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we are off and running here on the Wednesday Ultimate Crossover. If you guys didn't get a chance, head back and check out the first two episodes, Mondays and Tuesdays. We went over the 49ers. We went over the Seahawks. Next up is the Arizona Cardinals, and we'll wrap it up on Friday with our Valentine segment and Who Do You Love and looking at the schedule. So we've had some great conversations. I appreciate you guys all for joining here. And as you talked about you know, what is next for the Rams and looking at, you know, all those big contracts and their draft picks. I mentioned this, I think, in the first uh, show of, of our crossover series here that I'm very jealous of everyone in their first round pick. And I think our direction will go similar to uh, what Corbin said for the Seahawks is, is you know, trading back and looking to pile up a bunch of picks because right now uh, we don't have a bunch. We did, you know, kind of catching up on our Marcus Peters trade, our Aqib Tlaib trade, 
obviously the trade for Jalen Ramsey, which it's funny, you're sitting here and just big cornerback after big cornerback, and now we only have one on the roster, uh, but that's the direction they're going to go. We've got some big key free agent. Andrew Whitworth announced that he's going to come back for another season. Didn't really say it's going to be with the Rams, but you hope, as I talked about the offense line struggles, uh, that he will be joining us and, and figuring out hopefully a uh, you know team-friendly deal. We also have linebacker and possibly one of the most underrated guys in the NFL, Corey Littleton, a guy that is, you know, really been huge for us in the past few years, not only on defense, but in special teams. Um, we'll see if he's going to get a contract. There's a lot of teams that might throw him some money. And then the other big one is Dante Fowler Jr. Uh, we talked about him uh, in the Seahawks episode and kind of comparing him to Clowney as far as do you want to see him get another year with that team after being traded during the season? Um, and, you know, that's the big question. If you got these big free agents, as you guys look at the Rams, you, you mentioned you like what they got on the defense. So you, do you think they should focus back onto that offensive line or where should everyone start? Uh, Corbin, since we're kind of going through the same thing with, uh, you know, some of those big edge rushing and, and presence, you know, uh, putting pressure on the quarterback. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that they're, they're going to have some issues trying to re-sign Dante, Dante Fowler when you look the cap situation right now if they could find a way to offload one of their big contracts like if they could miraculously miraculously get somebody to take Todd Gurley's contract then that creates uh, the possibility they could bring him back they I believe have around 15 million in cap space if I correctly looked at it from over the cap so they have a little bit of financial flexibility but they're going to lose a few of those defensive guys I think when you're looking from a draft perspective this is not a draft that is very deep with edge rushers, so maybe that impacts their decision-making there with bringing back Fowler, trying to consider a long-term deal there. Uh, some of the other positions, this is a really good offensive line class, offensive tackle particularly. So even if Whitworth comes back, this is an opportunity for the Rams, if they can stockpile some picks, there are some tackles available that should be there on day two, maybe even early day three that have starter potential that they could look at. So if I'm looking from a draft perspective, I'm trying to shore up that offensive line because it's one of the strong points in this class. And maybe that causes them to look into some ways they can open up a little cap room to keep Fowler. Yeah, and that the very good points there, and, and the draft class is something we are going to be keeping our eyes on. And then obviously, you know, here on the Lockdown Podcast Network is our next big focus as the combine is just around the corner and free agency around the corner and then the draft. So uh, lots of opportunities for the Rams to make some moves. They actually have a little bit over 20 uh, million dollars now. Eric Weddle with the retirement kind of cashed in five mil back to the Rams, which is much needed. And really at this point, I love Brandon Cooks, but he's gone through some concussion. If he wants to retire and maybe give us some money back too, that would be nice. Uh, there's talks about uh, restructuring Jared Goff's contract to get some money. We'll see. It's always tough. Uh, same conversation with Todd Gurley to go back to guys that you gave money that have barely kicked in yet and going, hey, we've kind of changed our mind. You want to help the football team? We'll see how that goes. But Brian, I want to shoot this one your way because looking at your roster and what you guys did on the ground, uh, there wasn't the the huge big name talent. It was kind of this uh, core of guys that you know, but they did it together. Three running backs. Uh, you saw different guys kind of you know bounce out at different times and be the star. But uh, would you consider you know trying to find a trade partner for Todd Gurley? I know there's a cap hit. There's money problems with it, but you know. Again, you've got to find a partner, but you know, looking at how our running games compare, do you think the Rams just stick with Gurley or, or look a different direction? Yeah, and this ties in with a Twitter question I had from one of the listeners named Eli. He said, how do you go about plugging holes in the roster with Goff, Gurley, Donald, and Cook's large contracts and without many high draft picks? 
And Gurley is obviously, to me, the one that that jumps out. And I think you can't even cut him, right? Because it would be, what, $25 million cap hit or something insane like that. So really the only yeah. way to do it would be a trade. And the reason, if I'm not mistaken, you can trade Todd Gurley is because he's got roster bonuses every year. So there's $15 million of roster bonuses, $5 million in 21, 22, and 2000. 23 so they can get some relief if they trade Todd Gurley if you can find a team to take that contract I think you absolutely do it because in my opinion paying a running back is insane what they paid Todd Gurley drafting a running back in the top 10 is insane as as good as Gurley is and especially now when he's not really the engine that's driving the bus anymore you have to see if you can get out from underneath Todd Gurley's contract and as the 49ers have shown if you have a good scheme and you have some decent blockers up front, you can have undrafted free agents come in and run the football for you. And it's just, uh, that's just the way the NFL is. And running backs are superstars in high school and in college, but in the NFL, it's probably one of the last positions I personally would spend money on. And Todd Gurley specifically, and I like Todd Gurley, and I'm sure there's some coaches out there that would love to have a Todd Gurley on their team. If you can find a team to take that that money, I think you have to because it not only helps you this year, but then it really helps the Rams in 2021 and beyond to not have that contract. And they drafted a young court, uh, young running back too, right, in uh, Daryl Henderson. And if you look at the Rams' running game, it's not like Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson had any different uh, success than Todd Gurley did. They were all 3.7 yards per carry, which makes me seem makes me seem like uh, think that the problem is up front for the Rams. Totally agree, and and we got to spend some uh, attention on that offense line because throughout the year, so much inconsistency. But one of the things I, I believe I talked to all of you guys about when we did our crossovers during the season was Sean McVay basically blatantly telling everyone that they had no identity. And this was even late in the season, week 12, uh, and that goes back to what we saw the success the past couple of years of going through the running game, that outside zone run that you saw out of 11 personnel that became so popular by Sean McVay, but then shut down so quickly in the Patriots and how they adjusted. And a lot of people took that game plan moving forward. Um, I'll throw this over to Bo because he's kind of in the same situation. As soon as we heard Todd Gurley might be getting traded in the last couple of weeks and Ian Rapport came out and said that the Rams and Todd Gurley and all the brass are going to get together and talk about a game plan moving forward. We heard lots of rumors about David Johnson. I'm sure we'll go deeper into it tomorrow. But um, as you look at this situation and, and the Rams and how they face it, uh, your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I mean, David Johnson and Todd Gurley in the same boat. I think Gurley probably just by name recognition and just watching him play for a winning team might give the Rams an edge as far as being able to find a scenario, maybe a trade out for a guy like Todd Gurley as opposed to David Johnson to where the Cardinals cut him. It's going to be $16 million in dead money. And Brian pointed out the dead money that Todd Gurley could potentially uh, count against the Rams cap. It's just, it's a rough scenario. And, and you kind of see where the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, were in the right and maybe not throwing and backing up the Brinks truck to Le'Veon Bell a couple seasons ago. It's, it's such a tough thing. And it, it, a lot of times a catch 22 for these franchises to bet on these really superstar running backs, because you haven't seen those big money contracts play out. If the Rams can find a, somebody that's willing to deal for Gurley, I think you, that's a slam dunk. You take it. Uh, they've clearly, as much as they've given Gurley, they're pushing all their chips into the middle of the table on their number one overall pick from a couple of years ago, Jared Goff. He's going to cost them $36 million towards the cap this year. you got to surround him with the playmakers somehow. I mean, use your resources. Les Snead's going to have to get pretty creative. I do like that they did, as I mentioned, they brought O'Connell in, and either O'Connell or uh, McVay can 
shift their focus back to helping Goff. I mean, we all knew about it where they're taking the play clock down to 15 seconds. They're talking to Goff the whole time. They've got to get back to that and putting him in the best scenario to be successful and also get that defense back on track. They had a couple good games. They've invested heavily into it. And Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, they need to surround those guys somehow with other playmakers. So it's Goff. It's that defense. If you can take find somebody to take Gurley, I think the Rams would be cooking with gas. Yeah, and you talked about it there, and it, and this has been the word that I used a lot on the podcast this year was consistency. Jared Goff, can you consistently you know run this offense without turning the ball over? Defense, can you just be consistent on a game-to-game basis of who we think you are? At times, we thought you were a top-five defense, and then we see against the Ravens, you give up 40-something points at home. Against the Bucks, you give up 50 points at home. So uh, there was just a lack of consistency on this team, and hopefully we'll see that change. But we're going to kind of jump over to the next segment here. We're going to talk a little bit more about heading into 2020. What are some of the big issues that we need to stay focused on? How this Rams team will either move back up in this division or, scary, move down in this division because it's very possible both ways. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. So we're back on the Wednesday Ultimate Crossover Series. We've got a great group with us. We've got Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers, Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks, as well as Bo Brock from Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Guys, don't forget, you can find all of our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. It is the Locked On Podcast Network, so you guys know what we do five days a week, your team, every day. Uh, And here we are doing this ultimate crossover. Super fun. I can't wait to do this again after we go through all of the free agency and the draft and as we start to get ready for the season and see how far some of these conversations have come and figure out the direction in which teams decided to go from what we had thought. Um, So as we looked at it, and and Bo, you mentioned about bringing on Kevin O'Connell on that OC and then our defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. We also, uh, you know, that means no Wade Phillips. That means the first time OC for Sean McVay, First time in the last two seasons, at least. His first year, he had an offense coordinator here. And then John Fossil, longtime special teams coach. The Rams have been really good at special teams. I'm curious to see how this is going to affect them going forward. So there's a lot of questions with these Rams in this 2020 season. Not only how they fill the roster, what do they do in free agency, what do they do with limited draft picks, but what are these coaches going to be like uh, as we match up against the NFC West. So as you guys take a look at it and you're looking at the new coaches coming in, I know there's some respect for Wade Phillips. How do you see this for the Rams as far as 
you know, a good thing or bad thing. I'll start with you, Brian, and feel free to kind of throw questions back this way as we continue this conversation in the third segment. I would like to actually hear more about what you think happened with Wade Phillips, because it almost seemed as if the, the Rams defense was carrying that team for a large part of the season. And I had a, a listener, Tony, who wanted you to explain Sean McVay's poor season. And if you blame him, if you put the blame on him, and I've heard some people, and this is complete speculation and probably not even in the realm of truth, but some people thought that Sean McVay was trying to save his own reputation, potentially save his own job by saying, okay, well, we had a disappointing season and looked around the room and was like, all right, you, we're going to fire you and we're going to replace you. <laughs> I don't want to get replaced. No, those, those are great questions. I'd love to speak on it. And I think really it's tough right now because Sean McBay, as he gets called around here a lot, he got so much love at the beginning, right? He came onto the scene. He turned around the Rams. He's uh, this young, good-looking coach that has this offensive mind. And all these great things came out of as soon as Sean got here. Uh, he built a really good staff smart by going getting Wade Phillips to be, you know, that counterbalance of the experience with his lack of experience. But I would almost say that Sean was ready to make this move last year and the, the Super Bowl run kind of messed up that plan as far as being able to say, hey, I want to take over a little bit more. I think he did want to have more say uh, he may he thinks he makes a lot of adjustments on the offensive side. We can talk about that at a different podcast. But uh, on the defense side, I think he got a little frustrated with Wade Phillips in, in some of those games where it went south and there weren't a lot of adjustments. So I think this was a chance for him as the contract expired to shake hands with Wade and say, hey, look, that was a great little run, but now I'm going to go you know, kind of younger and look towards um, you know, building a roster in the coaching staff in a second era um, in his, you know, run out here in Los Angeles. So I'm, I saw this writing on the wall and as it came last season, you, you got the questions going to him about that. So it didn't really surprise me. And, and really, honestly, I think Sean McVay was almost ready to do this a year ago, but with that Super Bowl run, uh, you can't really let go of your defensive coordinator when he's got one more year on his contract, a legend like Wade Phillips. So I think the timing was just right to move forward, but yes, Wade, uh, sorry, Sean McVay is getting some of this blame, uh, you know, and as far as how the offense really was uh, not what it was the past two years, let's say that there were a lot of injuries, but uh, his lack of creative ability to kind of adjust to what some of the game plans were, were really frustrating. So we'll see how how loud that noise gets here in Los Angeles as we move forward uh, in, in, you know, opening up a new, brand new stadium. Yeah, Bear, I, I mean, do you think that a guy like Jared Goff, I mean, the Rams no longer have the luxury of him being on that first-round quarterback contract. And it really started with Russell Wilson years ago, where when you have those rookie deals, you can really put money elsewhere. You can reallocate funds Goff, Wentz, Trubisky, Watson. We saw it with Mahomes. That's a huge luxury to have. Does he have – do you feel like he, mentally he's a guy that can handle being the guy now and be, having all that money go, go towards him and having to produce? Because he certainly didn't meet those expectations this year. 22 touchdowns to 16 interceptions following an incredible year the previous season. Does, do you think he's, he's going to be able to handle this going forward, being the guy? Yeah, it's a big question and a great question because this year is very telling, right? The first couple of years, he didn't start that first year. The next two years, he saw constant arrow up motion, right? Getting better and better. 
Uh, it seemed like he had some really elite games. You look back to that Monday night football game versus the Chiefs where they went back and forth on touchdowns and Jared Goff didn't blink an eye in that one. Uh, this season just never looked comfortable behind that offensive line. So hopefully if you're talking about fixing that and trying to make that a focus in the offseason, if we can give him some confidence up there because he had happy feet a lot of times. And uh, Brian, I heard a, a podcast of yours leading up to the Super Bowl. And one of the, the things about Jimmy G was how stable that base of his feet were. And he was able to deliver the ball. And that is something Jared Goff didn't have this year. So I think he's still got the talent. Um, it's going to be a big telling year. He's, as you mentioned, $35 million uh, mark against the cap this year. And there's talks about him going to renegotiate that. And the Rams have been very behind their, their ways to spend money and basically saying we want to reward these guys for that. But I think that was the case when they were on his rookie deal. Uh, they were able to go pay guys like Aaron Donald and fill in some other positions. So uh, it is a put up or shut up type of year for these guys because the the noise is just just going to get louder and louder. Uh, Corbin, as we kind of close this out, any thoughts on the Rams or questions you have about the 2020 upcoming season? So this is like the uh, last uh, question. There was actually a perfect segue for what I wanted to touch on. You look at this 2020 season coming up, the Rams really have done the ultimate all in approach the last couple of years with the trades that they've made, sending away a lot of high draft picks to bring in proven veterans. They, They've signed a lot of players to big contracts, and now they are in cap hell in many ways, trying to deal with all the moving parts and trying to figure out how they can fill the roster out with all those draft picks not being there. They can't get the young talent in necessarily to fill out the roster. But I guess my big question is, after the last couple of years really making all of these moves to try to win now, how much pressure is there really on McVay and the Rams to win this year? And, and do you envision if somehow things go really south in this really competitive division, let's say they win six games next year, do you think that there could potentially be some major changes coming and they have to blow everything up? You know, it's interesting because Sean McVay did get that contract extension right after the Super Bowl last year, actually leading into uh, training camp. So we'll see what really the ownership, they've been really high on him. So I don't know if one more bad year, if even if it drops even further than it did this last year, that Sean McVay is going to get pushed out of town. But that's the crazy thing about the NFL looking across the board, and especially a market like Los Angeles, they probably would feel pretty confident about filling that slot with a great coach. So um, it is going to be interesting. And something obviously to add to that is the, the open of this stadium that everyone's been talking about for years. It got pushed back one season. They're getting a new branding of their logo, their colors. Uh, you know, if they keep Todd Gurley, he's one touchdown away from taking over the ultimate spot of most rushing touchdowns in their franchise history. Uh, Jared Goff, that money, everyone is going to be expecting a lot out of him. I am definitely Team Gurley and Team Goff, even though my Team Goff status has kind of wobbled a little bit this year. I think we need to get back to the basics. And and Brian talked about it. No one was bouncing off the board as far as, you know, most of them sitting around that three yard per average. Uh, but that comes a lot to figuring out different ways other than running out of that 11 zone scheme. And you saw them switch to 12 personnel later in the year. We saw the uptick of Tyler Higby from the tight end position. Uh, so there's some, a lot of exciting pieces, but you're right. The pressure, especially in Los Angeles is going to continue to build on these guys. And they got to find a way to win because in this division, as we've talked earlier about this week, it is not 
it's not hard to slip down, and especially if you're sitting in the third spot, slipping down means you're in last. Uh, and with the Arizona Cardinals starting to put together some young talent, you wouldn't be surprised if they look to move up in this division. So that is the scary thing. I would I would love to trade and be in a different division. That's not our option here. These teams are really good. It's going to make for an interesting season. But McVay's feeling the pressure. Gurley's feeling the pressure. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, uh, Jared Goff with the pressure of that big contract that uh, they didn't need to get done. But they did. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Guys, we have another great episode, two great episodes still coming up this week. We're going to jump over to the Arizona Cardinals who finished 5-10-1. Bo Brock's going to bring us through how things shook out in Arizona. This is the ultimate crossover on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll be back with you guys in just another day. So with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.